Hey everybody, this is Brent Kellogg, the pastor of Hillspring Church in Sand Springs, Oklahoma. And this is our podcast. Thanks for taking time to join us today. Our prayer is that this would inspire you, build your faith, and help you take the next step in Christ. Enjoy the message. So we've been in this series called Lead and, and talking about these biblical principles in our life that if you will live by them, they will lead to good things. But here's the deal. They feel like leadership principles. Can somebody ask me, that, hey, you're still preaching on leadership? And I'm like, well, yeah, I don't, yeah, sort of. I mean, but this is not for people that are specifically in leadership positions. This is for us, you and I as Christians that want to lead good life. If you live your life according to these lead principles, they will lead to good things in your life. But here's the deal. Through all these principles, they feel backwards. It feels like bizarro world. It feels like, man, that just doesn't make sense, specifically when it comes to our human nature. For example, last week we talked about humility and, and putting other people first, right? This idea that, that Jesus said, listen, when you go to a banquet, don't go sit up at the important seats at the head table. No, 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 no. Go sit back in the corner and just kind of, and, and let them promote you. Don't try to promote yourself, right? But that doesn't make sense. Because I want a good life. I need to make sure that I promote myself because I'm not sure anybody else is going to promote me. I need to take care of me and mine. But the lead principle is, no, 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 no. Be humble and trust God with your promotion, right? And then we talked about the, the idea of the power of I don't know. Like, just you don't have to be a know-it-all. You, you really don't. Actually, it, it takes great confidence to actually be humble enough to surround yourself with really smart people. Remember we talked about, like, the idea is to be the dumbest person in the room. It really is. To be confident that God called you where he put you. God placed you there. And when he's ready to move you, he will. And so you can, in, you can rest in God's sovereignty. And then you can surround yourself with really smart people to help you do life. So there's this, this idea of the power of it's okay to say, I don't know, but I want to go find out. These lead principles, however, they go against our default. Because you would think if I was going to be a leader, if I was going to be successful, I had to know all the answers. Or at least act like I had all the answers. Today is really going to feel bizarro world. It's really going to feel, well, that, that's kind of backwards. And so here's, here's the lead idea, here's the lead principle we're talking about today, is living open-handed. Yes, that is a sneaky way of saying be a generous person. Just living open-handed. My goal is, and I've kind of felt like the last couple of weeks that I'm kind of like this um, guy that's trying to sell you on a timeshare or make this sales pitch that, hey, if you'll buy into this principle... And, but that's my goal today. I want you to see that if you will tap into the biblical principle of being generous with what God has given you, it really is for your good. It's not that God wants something from you. It's that God wants something for you. So I want to begin in the beginning. In Genesis chapter 2, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He made Adam look down and said, well, that's not good. And so he took a rib from his side and he made Eve. Okay, Genesis 2.15. It said, the Lord God place the man in the garden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, gave him a warning. And he said, you can freely eat the fruit of every tree in this garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you're sure to die. Now here's the deal. God didn't even have to put that tree in there. It wasn't, it's like, oh no, where do we put this tree now? Like it wasn't about that. It was like this tree was a test for Adam and Eve. It was an opportunity for Adam and Eve to obey God. Like you can have all this, you can have the whole garden. I'm just asking, would you give me back, like don't consume everything, just give me back 
just this one tree. It wasn't about Adam and Eve's, it wasn't about the tree, it was about their ability to honor God by obeying him. So before I jump into this biblical lead principle of living open-handed and, and being generous, I wanna, I wanna talk about the word principle. Because I do, I see it as a biblical principle, not a biblical policy. Like I just several years ago, I just began to see generosity and, and tithing and giving in a whole new way. That it's a principle that if you'll tap into it, good things will happen for you. It's a not a I don't. It's not a have to. It's a I get to. It's the, it's the difference between a principle and a policy. So a principle is. I'm put that up on the screen for you. It's an an accepted or professed rule of action or conduct. I don't know what that means. Okay, so it means like that is a good moral person. That person has principles. They have moral value, okay? It also means a fundamental, primary, or general law or truth from which other things are derived. So you have the principles of science. You have the principle of gravity. You have the principle of modern physics. But a principle is also a fundamental doctrine. Like it's a set of beliefs. It's a, it's a, ten, it's a system to behave in. Right? It's like a teaching. That's what a principle is. But a policy, it's, it's a little bit different. A policy is a, a definite course of action. It's adopted for the sake of uh, facilitating. It's for the adopt being ex, like efficient. Like it, it makes things run better. It's kind of this governing thing that helps you do. Like if you work for a company, you work wherever, they have company policies. Okay? A policy is also a course of action Adopted and pursued by a government, by a ruler, by a political party. Like we have our foreign policy that kind of governs how we relate to other countries and so on and so forth. So some of you work for companies that probably have some crazy policies. And, and what's funny is there's always a story behind every policy. Like don't turn the lights out when you leave the bathroom. There's probably a story for that, right? So in the 1970s, George Steinbrenner, who owned the uh, New York Yankees, he banned all facial hair, and the hair on your head could not be longer than your scalp. That was the policy. You didn't want no hippies playing ball for the Yankees. That's, that's Steinbrenner, right? Okay. There was one CEO of a company I don't know the name of, but found this interesting, that they hated garlic so much that it became a company policy that they banned garlic from the lunchroom. You could not bring your lunch, couldn't bring leftovers or whatever, and you couldn't eat food that had garlic on it. That's a company policy. Okay. Um, at a Norwegian insurance company, things got a little out of hand with the bathroom breaks. Apparently, people were taking their cell phones. Like, now you could only go to the bathroom for eight minutes. That was the company policy. Time me, George. I'm going in. Okay. You know there's a story, and I don't want to know the story. All right. Disney employees. I know I've got some Disney people up in the... Right? Disney employees. It's a company policy that a Disney employee cannot point with one finger. They have to use at least two fingers. Mickey only has three, so I don't know what else is that. Yeah. <laughs> if you work for Sparrow's Oil Company, milk is permitted on premises, but you cannot use milk in your cereal. I'm like, I eat breakfast before I get to work anyway. I don't even know. Right? I mean, what pot? Uh, okay. One company uh, policy was no BB guns or machetes in the office. <laughs> Matt requested that we have a company policy that we refer to him as Big Bad Booty Daddy. Didn't go over very well, so I'm sorry. Mom, if you're watching, I'm really sorry about that. <laughs> um, brace yourself, because there's going to be boos and moans, because I've got some coffee lovers in here. There were several hospitals in the UK that banned employees from drinking coffee and tea 
while they were on duty. They said it didn't have a good look to the client. Like, what are you doing with your lives if you can't drink? Will Holder wouldn't make it through a day if he didn't have 14 cups of coffee. <laughs> Boo, right? So principle is something that guides you. A policy is something that governs you, okay? So a principle guides what you do. A, a company will have guiding principles that helps them make decisions, but policies actually govern what you can and, and can't do. You have company policies that say you can't bring machetes to the office. Okay, so the series has been about lead principles, letting these ideas, these disciplines, these teachings, like letting these practices guide you and it will lead to good things. Generosity is a principle, not a policy. Meaning you don't have to be a generous person to be a Christian. But I fully believe your life will be lacking if you're not. Like, just, I believe you never give a thing to God, never give a thing to the church, never give a thing to kingdom work, and I believe you'll still go to heaven. But if you check out, <laughs> you know, if you check out there and say, great, I'm fine, you know, if I don't have to give, then I'm good, then I think you're missing the point of the gospel. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, you each must decide in your heart what you must give. That's why I think it leans towards principle. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure because I've manipulated you or put pictures of starving children or, or out of compulsion, right? It says, no, but God loves a person who gladly, cheerfully gives. Throughout church history, denominations have used generosity, manipulate people. Even come up with the idea that if you have a loved one, you don't know if they were going to heaven or not. Well, if you, if you gave enough you could buy them out of purgatory. Or if you want to make sure that you don't end up purgatory, you, you could buy them out of purgatory. What we believe is that salvation is attached to grace alone, by faith alone, in Christ alone, not my ability to give. Because I couldn't afford salvation anyway, okay? So there's, there's multiple levels of generosity in Scripture. I want to talk about two of them, and, and maybe it'll touch on where you are. Because generosity is throughout, starting in Genesis chapter 2. Like, hey, give me back this tree. So generosity is throughout Scripture. In the Old Testament, it was a policy. In the Old Testament, you had to. If you sinned, you had to take an offering. In the New Testament, it's this principle. If you will do this, it leads to good things in your life. So a couple of these levels of generosity is the, the first one is that you give God your first 10%. Tenth, 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 tithe. It's kind of the same word, You're, you know, take up tithes and offerings. And I'm just gonna tell you, something happens when you can get here. I, I can't explain it, other than it's a biblical principle that if you live your life by giving God the first 10%, I mean, it doesn't mean you're not gonna have flat tires, it doesn't mean your refrigerator's not gonna, it doesn't mean your kids are always gonna behave. I'm just telling you though, when you get to this level where you can say, God, I give you my best and my first 10%, something happens there, okay? It's a spiritual principle that God has placed. It just leads to good things. If you can't get to 10%, then that is at the next level, which is growth giving. Like, man, the thought of you going, give it to 10%, are you crazy? Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, Jerry and I have done it our whole married life. A lot of people in the room have, have done it. And, and it's so hard to go from just kind of giving when you got it or whatever to, to come to a point where you can give it at 10%. That's why, listen to me, young people, get this habit in your life early. 
so that it grows with you as you grow in your life. And so that's where it comes from, this growth giving. Like if you, if you like, I, man, I, I would love to, but I can't give 10%. Then give something. Start somewhere, but do it consistently. Do it planned. Do it regularly. And then just say, God, I want to grow in that and watch him work. Okay? You don't give because you have to. It's, it's not a policy. You don't do it to manipulate God. Well, God, I gave you all that money. Now you owe me. Don't do that. We give to give. We don't give to get anything back. This, this ain't a name it and claim it church. I just need you to know that. It's not like we're not giving to, to motivate, manipulate God. We're giving because God has blessed us with so much, we can give back to him. We say it a lot. God doesn't want something from you. God doesn't need your money. The Bible says he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. The cattle market's pretty good. All right? He don't need, he don't, God doesn't need something from you. It's that God wants something for you. And what I'm going to do today is walk you through six things that when you understand and when you lean into this principle of being a generous person, <clears throat> these things start to happen in your life. The first one, number one, if you're taking notes, you can jot this down. It's the easiest, it's the most frequent way to practice obedience. It really is the easiest way to obey God. You don't need a passport to give. You don't have to go to Bible school to be generous. You don't even have to go on a mission. Like, it's just something you can do consistently, easily. You can practice obedience. John 14, 23, Jesus said, all who love me will do what I ask. Scripture is filled with requests and commands for you and I to be generous people. James 1, 22, don't just listen to God's word, but be doers. Do what God's word says. There's a lot of things, like, God, I, I, just use me, Lord. Just, I want to do big things for you, God. I want to matter. Lord, I want to I make a difference. I just, God, I just want to obey you. Just tell me what you want me to do. And this is one of the things that you can just simply, easily, consistently obey God. It just, it helps with obedience. Number two, living generous will increase personal and spiritual discipline. I love you. We all need discipline in our lives. We do. We just all need a little discipline. If you don't believe me, just spend some time around some kids where mama and daddy don't believe in discipline. And like, like in about four weeks, just ask some of them teachers that stood up a minute ago. They'll tell you which one of those kids. Are. Don't do that. That's gossip. Don't run. Just get on social media. You know what I'm saying? Those kids that 25 years ago were throwing fits in the grocery store because mama wouldn't buy them Fruit Loops. They're adults now. They're still throwing fits at the grocery store and on Facebook. You know what I'm saying? So 1 Timothy 4, 7, don't waste time arguing over godless ideas or old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself. We all need spiritual discipline. We need physical discipline. We need spiritual discipline. Train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good. But training for godliness is so much better. Promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. Listen, we want what other people have. We just don't want to do what other people do. That's why there's all these magic, you know, just take this pill and it'll melt off all that belly fat. They don't work. I've been taking them, they don't work. You don't, like, we want to look like that, but we don't want to get up and go to the gym. We want to look like, but we don't want to eat what, you know, we want what other people have. We just don't want to do what other people do. We need spiritual and physical discipline in our life. When I am generous, it helps me to say no to some things. And I'm, I'm honest, no's a good word. No's a good word. 
A life that says yes to everything just doesn't go well. I'm going to show you in Scripture. King Solomon, who was King David's son, he was he's the top of the food chain. He had people who served him. He grew up royal. Like he never, he didn't have to have a job to pay for a cell phone and insurance. Like he, like he just, he grew up people serving him. And when it was his time to be king, he just let himself have everything. The book of Ecclesiastes is about that season of his life. That did everything I wanted to do. Ecclesiastes 2 verse 10. Anything I wanted, I would take. I denied myself no pleasure. I found great pleasure in hard work. Like I worked all I wanted to. You know what? A reward for all my labors. But as I looked at everything I had worked so hard to accomplish, as I looked at everything I had worked, I denied my, as I looked at all that, it was meaningless. Chasing the wind. There was nothing really worthwhile anymore. What he's saying is I spoiled myself and in the end, it all lost its appeal. Nothing was exciting anymore. Nothing was fun anymore. You've given your kids nice, you know, you got them some big Christmas thing that you were all excited that they were going to open and ah, they'd make all the excitement. And two hours later, they're playing with the box. I mean, that's like, if you say yes to everything in your life, you're going to come like something. At some point, I'm bored. You ever hear those, mom, I'm bored. I said that once. It didn't go too well. Now them video games in there, and you got a bicycle outside, and you got a three-wheeler. Back in the 80s, three-wheelers were cool. You know, I'm like, you got all this, you know. Like, I, if I have everything I want, it becomes meaningless. We need to tell ourselves no. Generosity is a great way to increase your personal and spiritual discipline. Okay? Quiet. Up in this Baptist house. It's fine. Number three, it fights selfishness. And we don't, we don't see selfishness very good in the mirror. We can spot it in other people real easy. But we don't, we don't see greed and selfishness in our own lives. And the best antidote for greed, the best antidote for selfishness is being generous. Proverbs 21, 26, and it's probably the only verse you need today. Some people are always greedy for more. But the godly love to give. That's a principle. That's a biblical right. The antidote for selfishness and greedy is just being a generous person. Ecclesiastes 5.10, it's that story of King Solomon. I took everything I wanted. Those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth will make you happy. So number three, it fights selfishness. Number four, it builds my faith. Something happens when you give. It builds your trust in God. Because to be honest with you, if you make the decision that I'm going to, I'm going to give at some level, whether you're a tither, whether you're growing, or whether you're tithing, it requires faith to do that because at some point in your life, money's going to get tight. At some point in your life, you're going, well, I might need that. Sure been but, but when I give, I'm trusting God saying, I know you're going to provide more. You really are going to see me through. Luke 16, 10. If you're faithful in the little things, you'll be faithful in large things. If you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest in greater responsibility. Listen, if God has blessed you in this life, it's not to increase your standard of living. It's not. It's so that you can be a bigger blessing to kingdom work. You want more opportunity? You want more responsibility? You want more financial opportunity? Make sure you're faithful with the opportunity that you have 
now. When it comes down to it, practicing generosity really does require faith. In fact, it might be one of the best ways to gauge just how strong your faith really is. Do I have enough faith to make a sacrifice and believe God's gonna take care of me? That, that there's gonna be more where this came from, right? Every time you give, you're saying, God, I believe you are going to provide more. Trust and generosity, they go hand in hand, and generosity will increase your faith. Number five, it'll make a difference. Now, I've kind of been hitting you with the hard stuff about the personal discipline, you know, about building your, but this, is, this gets fun. This is where this flips over into the fun stuff, that a consistent, regular, planned life of generosity. Like, I'm not going to give when I feel like it, because sometimes I ain't going to feel like it, but I'm, it's just going to be a part of who I'm going to consistently, regularly, planned, I'm going to be as generous as I can be, over a lifetime makes a huge impact on the kingdom of God. Fun little exercise. I want to just... For those of you that have tithed and you've, you've given this, you, you bind to this principle of generosity, just use some rough averages. You know how much you roughly give a year. Just, just add up how many years you've done that. Do the math and, and like, okay, I've given, and just see what God has done through you because we don't see it that way. We see it in, I put the check in this week and then I put the check in that week and I give this week and I give that week. But back up and look at your lifetime of faithful giving. You really are making a difference in kingdom work. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9 are about the, you're going to see it in the wording, ministry of giving. And so there's a church in Macedonia that their heart is breaking for the Christians in Jerusalem. Because in Jerusalem, the Jews were trying to stop the spread of this Jesus business. They were trying to stamp out Christianity. So Christians that lived in Jerusalem were being severely persecuted, losing their homes, couldn't have jobs. And so the Christians in other parts of the world were actually taking up offerings and sending it back to Jerusalem to help. And the church in Macedonia, Paul describes them that they were, they were giving so much to Jerusalem, they were actually to a detriment to themselves. And that's what 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9 are about. He's writing to the Christians in Corinth and saying, hey, follow their lead. They've been a great example in this ministry of giving. When you are giving, you are doing ministry. You are making a difference. Let me show you verse 12. So two good things will result from the ministry of giving. The needs of believers in Jerusalem will be met. Like they were, they were giving so that so the people in need situation, their needs can be met. And they're going to joyfully express their thanks to God. Thank you, God, that your people are answering. Verse 13, as a result of your ministry, they're going to give glory to God. So it does two things. You're meeting the needs of people. You're making a difference. And you're also bringing glory and giving glory to God. For your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you're obedient to the good news of Christ. When you give, providing for kingdom work, Man, you're seeing prodigals come home. You, you did that. You were a part of that. Man, you're seeing marriages restored. Man, you're seeing the next generation being taught the truth about God's word. You're seeing people get connected into, into ministry, getting connected. You're seeing people go on their first mission trip and seeing a whole different world in a whole different way. You doing that, you're a part of that. So let's just, let's just play a little game. What if we don't? I want you just to play like with me for just a second. What if, what if, what if 
What if we didn't? What if we didn't give? What if we didn't? So let's start with Pastor John. He is our kids pastor. He takes care of first through fifth grade kids. And then he helps with other operations and errands and stuff around here, right? I mean, we strive, probably even a little bit of a detriment to ourselves. We have that conversation over and over and over. But we strive to be open-handed in our community. And so, Pastor John, if we're, we're going to be involved in the community, man, we've got to have supplies. And a lot of times, John's the one that runs to Sam's. We do a backpack program here in a couple of weeks. You have an opportunity to come serve if you want to. And what we do is we recognize there are kids that are dependent upon the school for breakfast and lunch. And so what do they do on Saturday and Sunday? And so we will send those kids home on Friday with a snack pack. And it, it, there ain't no roast dinners in there, but it's enough to just help them till they can get back to eat breakfast at school on Monday. Well, John goes to Sam's and it's a whole pallet of stuff and brings it back. First Wednesday meals, John goes to Sam's. Like John picks up supplies for all that stuff. John is weekly in schools. We have four full-time individuals that are committed to next-generation work in this church. And so, man, John, I want you in schools. I want you elementary. I want you, I want you around your kids. I want you to be there at their lunch hours. You know, he constantly volunteers at the Salvation Army at their after-school program. John's just there. So if we don't, let's play that. What if we don't? If we don't give generously, then we can't afford Pastor John's salary and his position. And so our presence at the elementary schools is going to be significantly diminished. Someone else has to go get the supplies. So the stuff that Will was working on to plan for our mission trips or he's balancing our financials or whatever, now he, he can't do some of that. And so he's got to go to Sims. And so it's this domino effect. Everybody on our staff, we are doing multiple things that make a difference in our community. Pastor Matt, he's a city councilor. God help us. No, I'm just kidding. Like, we need people of faith involved. Okay, he sits on the board of directors for a couple of organizations. One of them is one of our big partners, Sand Springs Community Services. Matt's on that board of directors. He's on the board of directors for Rotary International here in our community. He sits on a couple of advisory councils at the school to help them with things. He serves on the planning commission. He served on the last geo bond committee that put together the things you just voted for if you're in Sand Springs. He helps at multiple campuses with the FCA programs and scheduling that and helping do that. No other youth pastor in Sand Springs currently has been here longer than Pastor Matt. And so when it comes time for the youth ministries to get together, like see at the poll and stuff, they start planning stuff. Guess who they look to? They look to him because he's the old guy in the room, right? Like he's, he's just got the longevity of leadership. So if people don't give and people aren't generous, then we can't afford pastor Matt's salary. Those things don't happen and the church loses its footing and loses its influence in the community. And I'm a guy that I think the church needs to be very present in the community. I can go staff person by staff person and make a case that if you didn't give and we didn't have that person, that means it reduces the influence and in ministry that we have in this community. What about this building? What about, you know, we, we were, ABKA has been a karate organization that's gone on, I don't know, since the earth cooled. It's been a long time. We were the second ABKA karate school. And on Tuesday night, Dale Davidson, he leads a karate school that takes place here. We have hosted numerous community events in here. During COVID, organizations love this room because it was big. Like there were boards that have like 12 and 13 people on them. They used this room because they could spread out and not have said the same time. Like literally the Chamber of Commerce, we had our board meeting here. We're talking into a microphone. There's 12 people in the room because they were so spread out. People love to use the space then because they could just spread out. Rotary events, we have them here. Salvation Army events, we have them here. We house a day school. It's a place where babies can have a safe place so mama can go home and take a nap. I don't know what mama does, but I just... 
But also it's a faith-based environment. Those babies are getting prayed over. And the majority of the teachers are, I mean, the majority of teachers go to church here. It provides jobs for people in our community. So what if we didn't do those things? Like we're having to rent space instead of like, then we're not able to rent out to Rotary. We're not able to loan our facility to school or what have you. A lifetime of consistent planned giving, not out of emotion, not out of guilt, not out of compulsion, but giving because I see the value in the principle. God, you have given to me and I get to give back. Not because I'm trying to manipulate you or it's just the principle of giving. 2 Corinthians 9.11, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when you take your gifts to those in need, they thank God. Like when you give, you make a difference, okay? So practice obedience, increase discipline, fight selfishness, you build your faith, makes a difference, and lastly, probably the most important, generosity makes me like Christ. It makes me like Jesus. Ephesians 5.1, imitate God. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his, like, we need to be more like God. 1 Peter 2.21, for God calls you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example, and you must follow in his steps. Philippians 2.5, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. You and I are followers of Christ. Are we striving to be like him? Jesus came to do a lot of things. Man, he, he came to show grace and mercy. He came to give people a whole new perspective about the father. They had him as an angry God who loved a bunch of rules. And Jesus like, no, 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 no. You've missed the Abba. You've missed the daddy of who he is. He's a gracious, loving God. That's, that's why I'm here. Jesus came to, to share the good news. But make no mistake, my friends, Jesus came to give. John three sixteen. This is how God loved the world. He gave. His one and only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Matthew 20, 28, for the Son of Man came, not to be served, he could have been, but he didn't come to be served. He came to serve others. The Son of Man came to give his life as a ransom for many. We are being like Christ when we live open-handed with our life, with our love, with our resources. I've never met, I've never met someone that regretted being generous. I gave all that money up there. I've never, I've never met that person. Typically, the people that their life is full of planned, intentional, strategic giving, this is what they say, it wasn't mine to give anyway. When you give, you have a chance to obey. You have a chance to be like Christ and, and follow in his footsteps. You say, God, what do you want me to do? God, what do you, what you bless me with, God? How can I be a blessing with that? And here's one of the beautiful things is like, you have a chance to hear the voice of God. You have a chance to commune in relationship with God. You have a chance to hear God speak to your life. I'm approaching 25 years in pastoral ministry. Started when I was 10. I've been through a couple of recessions. 2008, things got tied around here. They did. 
I'm just here to tell you, this is not, like if you're a guest today, you're like, oh, we came on the money Sunday. No, 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 no. This is not a fundraising speech at all. I, again, we don't want anything from you. I've been here 19 years. I've never seen Hillspring Church be more generous than it is right now. Like we can say yes and do things in ministry that I, I've never dreamed because of the generosity of this church. So like if, if you're here and this is your first Sunday and it's money, come back next week. But I'm just telling you, I'm not, this is not a, oh, he's getting ready to do one of them little trifold brochures. They want to build stuff. No, 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 no. We ain't got anything we're ready to build. No, 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 no. This is a lead biblical principle that I want for you in your life because when you are generous, it is for your good and for his glory. And I just want you to, I just want you to enjoy that. Jerry and I, we have a blast being able to help. And give. It's fun. It's fun. And that's when God says, listen, I don't want you to give out of pressure. I don't want you to give out of compulsion. Somebody motivated you. Somebody motivated you. I want you to enjoy giving. That don't make sense. That's a bizarre world. That giving money away would, would feel good. But that's how God's economy works. That's how the biblical principles, they don't make sense to our human nature. Human nature would say, give me everything that I want. No, 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 no. But God's like, hey, just give me this tree and watch it work in your life. I don't want anything from you. I want something for you. And I'm so grateful for the people that understand the principle of generosity at this church. And man, are given just so we can invest in the next generation. Here's the deal with my tithers at Hillspring. I could literally put them tithing buckets up on the top of the roof up there and hide the ladder, and they'd find the ladder because they understand something happens when I get to that level where I'm planned, intentional, continuous lifestyle of being generous. God, I want to give you the first, first 10% and let you do with it. This is not about the church needs you to give. Please don't hear that at all. This is about we as Christians need to give because it does good things in us. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there's a couple of things I want to invite you to do. First, hit the subscribe button. That way you won't miss a single episode. Secondly, if this message has impacted you and you would like to help us reach others, visit our website at hillspring.tv and hit the Give Now button so that we can take this message around the globe. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.